1: And welcome in, everybody, once again to another episode of the High Low Sports Podcast. We appreciate y'all joining us this Wednesday afternoon, or if you're listening to us on one of your favorite podcast apps. Later on as well, too, it's always a pleasure to have you join us and talk a little bit of sports. It is about midway through December. The new year is upon us. The holiday season's right around the corner, some time off to spend with the family, and the sports world is definitely starting to get ticking really fast right now as well too on an international and a local level as well too it is dj joined as always by my co-host kelsey and kelsey we got some good we got some sad and we got a little bit of bad we're gonna save the sad for last but we got some very interesting stuff to talk about today from a few from a few different sports landscapes
2: yeah man it's been been wild and crazy all over the place uh look the world cup's winding down there's a even fisticuffs in the world cup who would have thought hmm. um you know uh, unfortunately there, there is some sad news in, in both in, in multiple actual places in the sports world so it's not just one it's it's multiple spots and we'll talk about those when we get there but um you know unfortunately those things do happen we do have to talk about them but yeah there's also some good news and there'll be winter meetings have taken place and well lots of movement yeah needless oh. to say lots of huge huge money deals going around. And, well, you know, Heisman Trophy was handed out, and surprise, surprise to anybody. We'll talk about that. <laughs> and uh, other than that, we've got the NFL playoffs. I mean, what, three, four weeks away now? This is About
1: a month away, yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah, and then we got, well, look, starting in two days, we have bowl games. So, I mean, it's literally going around the corner. You know, it's all flying around the corner here, left and right, center, and we're just along for the ride at this point in time.
1: We're along for the ride as well, too. But we're not going to waste any more of you guys' time with us. So we're going to get right into it. We're going to start things off with our first segment, also known as the tip-off as well, too. And for the tip-off, we're going to go to a very wide stage. We're going to encompass the entire world. We're going to start large and work our way down. The World Cup winding down. The stage is set from sixteen, from a round of 16 all the way down to just two left now as well, too. The entire world is watching. We are set. Argentina, taking led by Lionel Messi, taking on the defending World Cup champion, France, as well, too. France trying to go for the back-to-back. Argentina trying to wash the taste out of the mouth from that 2014 World Cup as well, too, where it felt like Argentina's chance to break through, Messi's chance to break through. And, well, if you remember correctly, they did not break through. They, they did not break through whatsoever. That was a very rough one for the Argentinians. So I'm going to start with you. France-Argentina, Very a not surprising matchup, but a very fun matchup. I, think I, kinda, I like this matchup that we got. I know everyone was rooting for croatia for, for or morocco for their various reasons especially croatia as well too there were some very non-soccer reasons people were voting for there as well too but what are your thoughts on this matchup we have
2: yeah well first of all uh you know congrats to croatia and and morocco getting into that third place game morocco within one of the more impressive runs um i think of of the tournament you know you gotta you gotta say it's it's impressive to say that you know you got to beat cristiano ronaldo and then you go and face off against the reigning world champions and for forty-five minutes in a game, you dominated. Uh, however, look, France is France. France is going to mm-hmm. dominate in, in many ways, and, and France showed exactly why they're I, they're the reigning world champions. And look, you you don't go just missing Paul Pogba, uh, Kareem Benzema, six other midfielders, two defenders from your starting rotation like that. That normally would start for your squad in, in a world class situation, and you don't just go back to another final. But that's what France is doing. France simply replaces Kareem Benzema, one of the best players in the world this year, with, oh, I don't know, Olivier Giroud, who just happens to be the guy that just passed in this World Cup, Thierry Henry, for most goals in France's world history. Uh, so absolutely insane to think about when you consider he's really been second fiddle striker his entire playing career for France. So very interesting there, um, just dynamic-wise. And, and Kylian Mbappe has been Kylian Mbappe. He's been the speedster of the wing. Just absolutely breaking down defense. I'm sorry, there's nobody that can keep up with him. The only guy that could keep up with him was Hakimi uh, in today's game against Morocco. Um, well, unfortunately, he kept up with him, but couldn't stop him. So you take your pick. You can keep up with him, or you can, you can stop him. There's two options. Or you just let him do what he does. and That tends to be what happens. As uh, People just let him do what he does uh, at the end of the day. But yeah, no, so France is absolutely dominant. And then on the other side of things, Argentina. I talked about this. Early on, Argentina is one of those squads outside of Messi, outside of Angel Di Maria, um, and uh, Angel Correa. They are a very average squad. Uh, The one difference between this squad and, let's say, a Portugal who have a world superstar in Cristiano Ronaldo is this squad plays better with Messi in it because Messi keeps them going, whereas Portugal, and if you've listened to the news lately uh, from Portuguese players, they will even agree with me in saying Portugal plays as a better team without Cristiano. Now, um, take that for what it's worth. You know, mm-hmm. Messi, if you're going to have that debate about Messi-Ronaldo, well, that's the answer you're getting right now. And, and, you know, with Messi now getting his opportunity to face off in a World Cup uh, at final, this time thankfully not against Germany. So he has an opportunity. Um, we'll see if he's able to beat France this time. I don't know. It'll be a tough one to say. Uh, you know, top to bottom, France just like I said. Like you don't just miss six, seven, eight major players in your rotation. And by the way, let's not forget they're starting left back in the tournament. Lucas Hernandez got injured. He got replaced by his twin brother, Theo Hernandez. And it's it, who, by the way, scored the first goal in the Morocco game today. And uh, and yeah, just continues to be dominant. So uh, this is going to be a fun fun game on Sunday. I'm excited for this France-Argentina matchup, this is going to be a, a very entertaining one. And I, if I, you know, I, I think this is the one that we all were hoping for. If you if you kind of put it down on the schedule, this is the game that I had predicted. Um, I have France coming out predicted against the winners, but this is kind of what I predicted to happen um, based off of their old, you know, college, of, or the old pick em tries and see what happens. And, uh, yeah, this is what happens. Yeah, this is the cool thing about World Cup tournaments is you get fun runs, but at the end of the day, the... The cream rises to the top, so that's what we're getting.
1: It's very March Madness-esque. You'll get some surprises here and there, but usually you can pick between one of four teams that's going to win it all, usually. One of those four teams yeah. seems like a safe bet more often than not. And France you mentioned, too, is they're, they're interesting because like they have a bunch of really good players, but they don't have that quote-unquote world-renowned superstar like a Ronaldo or a Messi necessarily that stands off to the page where everyone knows. But they have some really good players that are probably like right on the cusp of that as well, too. But they're about as well oiled a machine as it feels like in a long time. Like maybe... Early two thousands, Brazil somewhere in that area as well too. Like that feels like they're just a machine that keeps on chugging along. I don't want to compare it to the Patriots because sacrilegious. But you know my point is like they just plug and play, someone gets injured, next man up they don't miss a beat. They change some things are changed, but there's death taxes and France continuing to roll as well too. And they just they feel like that ultimate well oiled machine right now.
2: Yeah, I mean that's a good way to put it. I mean, it, obviously you have Mbappe as the soon to be usurper in the world superstar rankings if he could ever get out from underneath Neymar and well, ironically Messi's shadow uh in this one so that, that is that is a storyline to follow by the way if you guys don't want a storyline to, to keep track of Kylian Mbappe being the young upstart at PSG Messi being the the old wily veteran shunned from Barca finds a new home at PSG he's part of the strike partnership or trio if you will with Mbappe Um, very interesting stat line by the way if you go to their psg time there is zero assists given from Mbappe to either Neymar and Messi on the club level so Mbappe does not pass to those two to get assists however there is something like 22 combined between Neymar and Messi to Mbappe um Hmm. assist wise so you know interesting to look at a stat maybe that way but uh I don't know. I don't know if if that's a storyline somebody wants to pull a tug on or try to make something out of somebody. Obviously, is going to. Um, that's always always the case as well. So, yeah, it's it's going to be interesting to see see on Sunday for sure.
1: Absolutely mentioned. He's he's tugging for the crown, and this might be his chance to, uh, for lack of t- better terms, take over that throne or at least get himself at that table that he's right on the cusp of. But he's a guy who's been at that table since the table was for the basically since the last table. His table's been around a long time since Messi's been at it as well. This kind of a chance for redemption, it feels like after that 2014 World Cup where they got there, it felt so good. And then Jeremy, I think it was like five to one or something like that. Like it was pretty, it was, it was, it was, it was bad. It was, and it messy just looked, obviously, it's not a one man game, but he just, he did not look like himself as well, too. wait almost 10 years to get a chance at redemption here as well, too. Do you think he's going to be able to step up to this one? Or do you think it doesn't necessarily matter, even if he plays his best game, France is just a little bit too much?
2: Yeah, I mean, so well. Uh, Let we'll me go back to twenty fourteen. That that one ended one nothing, but in a heartbreaker in the one hundred thirteenth minute. By of all people, Mario Goza, who just you know empty for the entire entire World Cup, and then you know gets that one goal. So um, it's kind of in the story of of uh, it. Almost feels like Messi in finals though, is he gets he they, he gets so close, and then something comes out of nowhere. Or player comes out of nowhere to score a game-winning goal for the other team seems to be kind of the storyline for him uh, historically in this one, and I don't know if I don't know if he has enough to get there, but I will say that this is his only best chance um, because France's defense, as good as they are, do not keep very many clean sheets. Um, obviously, this being against Morocco being one of the few, uh, but they do not keep very many clean sheets in games where they are pressured. And it is an opportunity that you never know. Um, they could pull something off. Look, Messi, all he needs is a moment of magic. A one moment of magic and, and Messi can can turn it around. So I think I think it'll be a very interesting one. Um, I do think he has an opportunity to kind of break the snide and be the guy that finally goes and gets his his title, but we'll have to wait and see.
1: Yeah, absolutely. By the way, I was thinking of the qualifier in twenty eighteen when they played Spain. That was six to one. That was
2: the one I got mixed yeah. up as far as like the absolute smack, but that's definitely. Well, something yeah, Germany to be... the Germany the round before did beat Brazil seven to one. So gotcha. I mean it's 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 not right, so yeah, it, it, Germany was Germany was not a uh um a, a, a team that anybody wanted to face in twenty
1: fourteen. They were an absolute buzz on this is if this is any clear indication that I am getting old, well there you have it right there now. I'm crossing games from different years and different teams and just getting scores. it's clearly getting old as well, too. I think it's starting <laughs> to put us together. But it should be a fun World Cup. I look forward to this one. Sound like you were taking France as well too to defend and go back to back as well too. I'm going to be the contrarian. I'm going to take Argentina because I do think Messi is going to rise to this occasion. I think they're going to have. I don't want to say they have a secret sauce for this game, but I think this is going to with that little extra sense of urgency as well too. I'm going to give Argentina the slight nod. I think this is going to be the situation where they're going to flip the trend and they're going to score that one to nothing or maybe two to one late goal out of nowhere that usually has haunted Messi and like. Maybe like the hundred third minute or something goofy like that as well to just like where the minds are blown and the, the commentator's voice completely cracks as well too. So, so I'm gonna go with Argentina flipping the script in this game as well too and taking taking a one goal win probably a late goal too. Maybe I'll go with two to one because I don't think you're gonna keep France out out from goal. So give me two to one.
2: All right, I like it. Yeah, I'm gonna stick with France. Um, you know, that's a safe two, bet. If two, I was betting money that's. <laughs> Two two one sounds pretty good for France right here, um, but yeah, I mean, I I am honestly not sold. It would be a very interesting storyline for Argentina to have the biggest upset in the tournament, being beaten in the first round uh, as handily, or in the in the group stages as handily as they were by, uh, I think it was what Saudi Arabia, and then yeah. to turn it around and then win the World Cup against France, um, that would be, <laughs> it would be an mm-hmm. impressive storyline to say the least. Uh, but now I do have to take a moment here. We do have to talk about this because, uh, unfortunately, talking about storylines, one of the greatest, the greatest U.S. soccer reporter in the history, uh, unfortunately passed away recently, Grant Wall, uh, unfortunately passed away while covering the, the World Cup in Qatar. So I did want to just, you know, send our condolences out to his family because that is unfortunately at one of the world's biggest stage it's one of your your few times you ever get to go to a world cup grant wall has been to three um and you know he is the foremost reporter on u.s soccer men's women's and everything else in between and uh, he has set the t- set the tone really for what is U what should be quality u.s coverage um for soccer in america and you know i, I you know send his family condolences i thank him for all of the hard work he did to get you know, soccer in the forefront of Americans. Uh, look, I know we talk mostly talk about football and basketball. Soccer is dear, near and dear to my heart, though. Um, it is because of many articles Grant Wall wrote that I follow soccer as much as I do. Um, so I do just want to send out my condolences because it is unfortunate. Anytime you know you lose a you lose a member of the soccer family, um, especially somebody so prominent like like Grant Wall there. Um, but yeah, I just we just had to ha- have to talk about that because unfortunately it's going to be interesting to see who steps into his place, who can keep up that, that torch, if you will.
1: Absolutely as well too. And I think that he, there was two of them that passed away at that, at the world cup as well too. So a very scary, very unfortunate event as well too. And Once again, condolences to the family. And for those of you who don't know, Walls also part of the LeBron James sports illustrated article, the chosen one too, from when he was in high school coming out as well too. He's also the author behind that as well too. So a wonderful journalist, a fantastic track record as well too, will be missed as well. Condolences to family, everything he said as well too. So, We're going to go ahead and step out of the World Cup coverage now as well, too. We're going to exit the tip off and head over to Kelsey's second favorite part of every podcast, and that is, of course, the main event. And the main event, as you know, is brought to you by our good friends over at Manscaped. Use code Sports to check out. Get yourself 20% off. Go in there. It's still not too late. It is still Christmas season right around the corner. If you haven't got any stocking stuffers yet, maybe a fun gift, anything along those lines, definitely want to head over there and check that out as well, too. We've got... It's a. It's still. It's the holiday season. Most of the time, we're usually done with our Christmas shopping. But right now, you definitely want definitely want to head over there and take a look as well.
2: Yeah, definitely. I mean, okay. hey, uh, you, you gotta you gotta you gotta always sprinkle some uh, some loving down there, if you will. Uh, it's always no no, it's no better time to go buy some product uh, to take care of yourself than during ho- during during the Christmas time. Get twenty percent off plus free shipping. Always a good time over at Manscaped.com.
1: Absolutely. Grab your, grab some mop, crop mops for your pops or the body buffer for the holiday lover with this year's white elephant gift. Help all the men in your life go from eggnog to nice hog this December by going to manscaped.com and using code Sports for 20% off, plus free shipping as well, too. And it'll make holiday shopping a blast, and you'll give them products that they'll love, and at the same time, it'll make them laugh as well, too, just like saying things like eggnog to nice hog as well. They'll give you plenty of opportunities to be the funniest guy at the Christmas gathering as well. So once again, code Sports 20% off. And free shipping as well, so you can't really beat that. Save yourself a good amount of money or and get yourself something like a nose hair trimmer as well too. Keep yourself looking nice and fresh as we head into the new year. So that once again, high low sports. Check out twenty percent off manscaped.com. If you've been on the internet anytime in the last 10 years, you know the drill with manscaped.com, the premier company when it comes to men's grooming as well. So that's not
0: to take us start selling
2: online today sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash free 22 shopify.com slash free 22
0: it's winter time when temperatures go down the likelihood goes up that your furnace and other appliances go down with them so don't risk a costly
1: replacement Stay comfortable with coverage on the appliances you depend on most with the Service Card Appliance Repair Program from Black Hills Energy. It's peace of mind in a plan. Visit BlackHillsEnergy.com dot slash sign up to learn more. Kelsey, we're going to talk a variety of different sports here for the main event. So, the question is, where do you want to start? Because we got a few things we're going to dabble in here.
2: Ah, uh, you know what? Let's go. Let's go to the team. Let's go to the league that's in the off season right now. The team. Throwing around some big cash right now, that is the MLB and specifically these winter meetings happening where all the free agent movements, all the player trades, all these wild things happening. Um, It's been absolutely insane in the MLB uh, right now. And if you guys don't know anything about the winter meetings, they're notoriously the time when all of the trades in the offseason happen. So it's a very fun time to watch.
1: Absolutely. And, you know, speaking of fun times to watch, too, your San Francisco Giants, a team not exactly known for throwing money all over the place, even though they're right right there in Silicon Valley. Well, it looks like they took out they, so they decided to dip into the piggy bank a little bit tonight this year, spending a little more money than we're accustomed to seeing. Bringing in pitcher Sean Manaka as well for a two-year $25 million deal. Also bringing in another pitcher as well, too. And, of course, we can't forget the big one, Ross Stripling, the, the pitcher. But not, of course, the big one, too. Shortstop, Carlos Correa. A three hundred and fifty million dollars thirteen year deal as well to arguably one of the top would say three to five free agents on the market for sure, somewhere in that range as well. And he looks like he's heading to the Bay Area. And as the designated San Francisco Giants fan, who, as you said, they have covered all of your sports happiness for basically the rest of your life with all of their wins. How are you feeling so far about that?
2: Uh, you know, honestly, wow, uh, what a move. Um, it's it's surprising. In the right that we ha- that that San Francisco still has Carlos or uh, still has Brandon Crawford on the roster, um, we talk about still arguably one of the best defensive shortstops in the game. However, it does open up the opportunity there with the DH now in all in all leagues to use Crawford there more as a DH or slide him over to third potentially second base. Um, him and Correa can kind of interchange as need be. But yeah, this is a huge deal. Look, thirteen years, three hundred fifty million dollars. The Giants don't spend money often, <laughs> like. The last time the Giants dropped this kind of contract was on the guy I just mentioned, Brandon Crawford. Before that, Buster Posey. Um, before that, Madison Bumgardner. So guys that stick around for the team for a long time. And usually they're already Giants when they spend the money on them. Um, you, you talk about free agent deals that they do this on. Uh, I think the last big, 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 big free agent deal would have been like Miguel Tejada um, <laughs> way back. Or Edgar Renteria. Uh, you know, these guys, They t- the Giants just don't spend money very often. Um, to see the them go out and spend money on Correa, sitting on Ross Stripling, um, you know bolstering that that pitching rotation, it's impressive to watch. I'm excited about what it means uh, going forward. Obviously, the team had last year was a down year compared to the year before. I mean, the year before was kind of a surprise for everybody. Uh, the Giants just, you know, oh, we're gonna win 106 games and just get ourselves in the playoffs. Like, where'd that come from? We don't. We're not expecting that type of a season uh anybody is not expecting like fans are not expecting that at all and then last year it was a little disappointing compared you know because you relatively have a better team and you do worse it's always going to be disappointing uh, but look if they're going to make these moves by all means and let's not forget they were also right there in the Aaron Judge conversations um Aaron Judge even said he's like yeah I had more money coming from San Diego and San Francisco I had more years on the table, he actually, you know, let the cat out of the bag. They had like ten years, 330 340 something like that, coming from San Francisco. Ten years, three hundred and sixty for San Diego, and he told the he told the Yankees front office that the Yankees like, okay, well we'll make it nine years, three hundred and sixty million dollars for you. How's that sound? And then Judge stays for that. Like, so the Giants are making moves. Obviously, they got to make like in, in the West, you have to make moves because unfortunately, you have the Dodgers. You have the Padres. The Dodgers have made moves. The Padres also making moves. They got Xander Bogarts for 11 years, $280 million. Um, you know, it's 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 tough in the West. Uh, but, yeah, so for the Giants, I'm, I'm glad to see them spending money. I don't like to see 13-year contracts. I don't like to see anything above 10. Um, we all know the history with 10-year-plus contracts. They don't ever pan out. Um, usually the 8th, ninth year of the contract is usually where the player gets traded, gets released it gets worked some somehow the move deal gets moved um so i don't like to see that length of a contract but i guess yeah, it's okay yeah. i don't know it's it's tough like that's a lot of money to be thrown out there right there I, I, it's 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 a weird baseball's free agency is weird <laughs> like that contracts right now it's like it feels like the basketball from two years ago when 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 the nba got the extra boost in tv deal money like that's what just kind of feels like
1: it's like you're ecstatic to get the player. You're excited about that. But when you look at the years and the money, it's like, well, damn, hold on now. Can he be like what that Aaron judges as well to? Which its potential is there. It's just like if it doesn't work out, that is who we that is. You end up like the Broncos in that case. if yeah. so That doesn't work out basically. And that's the biggest concern there. And what's nice for Correa is he turned down a six-year $120 million at Houston just two years ago. Collected about, was it $30 million or so from Minnesota re- this year? And now you got $350 million coming your way. So bet on yourself and... Yeah, he's he's going to be set for a yeah. while as well, too. Some other moves. You did mention the Dodgers. They brought in Noah Syndergaard to add some pitching depth because why wouldn't the Dodgers as well, too? Like I said, it's the West. Everything goes that way. And an interesting one, too, and I, we kind of looked about, at it as well. Trey Turner, who, if I'm not mistaken, it sounded like there was a lot of talks about him possibly going to the, to the Padres as well, too. And now Trey yeah, Turner yeah, signings, across, Yeah, going to, all the yeah. way to Philadelphia, joining Bryce Harper and the World Series runner-ups, and my first question to you is, A, holy moly, that's a lot of firepower, and B, do you think this might get them over the hump to where they can get back next year and maybe avenge that loss, for lack of a better words, like
2: the Astros did this year? Uh, <laughs> I I don't know. Um, I don't know if Trey Turner is the answer because that pitching staff still, to me, is, is, is the issue. Um, I would have liked to see them get in the Kenley Jansen sweepstakes. Uh, obviously, Boston mm-hmm. ending up with Kenley Jansen there for the closer role. Um, I would have liked to see that, but again, pick you know can't be beggars can't be choosers. Um, mm. so I look, I, I'm I'm gonna say this: Trey Turner, anybody getting Trey Turner immediately bolsters their offense and their defense. Each, you know, consecutively, um, it is a little confusing. Again, this is one of those moves like you have a shortstop already built into your team. Why are you going and getting another shortstop? But with that said about Trey Turner, he can slide over to second base willingly. Does slide over to second base as well. Um. And, and and look, he's this guy's going to play every single day if he as long as he stays healthy, uh, he's going to probably lead your team in hits. He's probably going to lead your team in stolen bases. He's probably going to lead your team in slugging plus OBP. Um, just that's just what he does. He's he's on base all the time. He can pop a few here and there, but he's going to be all over these base paths when he gets the opportunity. Um, one of the smoothest sliders I think I've ever seen as well, uh, as far as just sliding into home plate and getting popping right up. It's if you guys haven't seen some of the, his montage of his beautiful slides, literally they have montages built in on TikTok and YouTube and everything else of, of how well he slides. Um, his defense is nothing to be scoffed at. So yeah, look, Trey Turner is a huge get. Um, you talk about a, a division there where you, you know you need to keep spending money. Philadelphia already has one of the biggest payrolls. Well, I ha- have to keep spending money because you had the Mets in this offseason get Justin Verlander. They got signed uh, Kodai Senga from Japan five years seventy five million for for Sanga, two years 86 million for Verlander which is insane like mm-hmm. what and then you had the Braves down there getting Sean Murphy in a deal in a three-way trade with Oakland and and Milwaukee um, which sends a bunch of catchers all over the place uh, they get Sean Murphy Oakland got Manny Pena and the Brewers got William Contreras uh, yeah it's it's getting wild and crazy right now all over the place in in, in um in the MLB and then I, the only other move that I really think we need to talk about that is like well actually there's two moves. I I, I one that I think is going to go under, and it's going to be classified as the best underrated move um and that's going to be Josh Bell to the Guardians. I think that is a Especially huge two move.
1: Years, 3 million too. That's a really good yeah, deal
2: uh, for them. Yeah. Yeah, huge move with a great contract for the Guardians, like very player friendly. Uh are very very team friendly. Um, considering you just, I just talked about a two-year eighty-six million dollar move for Justin Verlander, and then you get two years thirty-three million for Josh Bell, who is a power hitter who can hit for average, who's going to be a starting everyday first baseman. Um, it allows you to use guys that you're platooning there at first base now in that DH role, slide him in and out, or play him every day as a DH. Um, but Josh Bell is going to be huge for for the Guardians. I think he's probably going to go in my book as the best move, best economical move on, on across the board so far. Um, and one of the other bigger moves I got to mention is uh, Jake Degrom. Obviously, this was early on in the in the free agency pool. He signed with Texas, five years, 185 million, kind of set off this fireworks for big deals. But yeah, those those are really the biggest moves so far, so far. Um, and <laughs> there's still more to be made. It's gonna be it is gonna be a wild off season for the MLB, and you're gonna keep seeing these weird contracts pop up left and right that are just like. Are we sure that's that's what we want to do? Um, obviously, the only one I'm leaving out is the Cardinals signing out signing their brand new catcher, um,
1: Wilson chairs Yeah, that's yeah. first time since 2003. I think Molina's not going to be in the lineup any, on the roster anywhere as well. Too like that, you, you go from keeping Albert Pujols, the basically who's been around since the dawn of time, and Molina. You had the one of the you have OGs from almost two decades ago, and now you, you can see them starting to make some moves, but. I do want to go back to that jo- to the Josh Bell one, too, because what I, what I really like that he brings to it is the the Guardians' offense felt like almost like kind of water pistols sometimes. Like they could get on base, they made a lot of contact, but they lacked a little bit of firepower as far as like cracking them out of the park. Now you bring
2: in a guy who... Until the playoffs, until the playoffs.
1: Yeah, and then 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 that's what... Yeah, exactly. Josh Bell, who you mentioned, could be a primary DH as well, too, from a team that had the worst DH production last year. He could just come in, if nothing else, he just provides a little bit of a threat of the ability to thump it out of the yard. He gives them, he gives them at least a howitzer on the roster. When you, you saw when they played the Yankees when it wasn't an arms race, it was the guardians were up to one, but then it turned into a bit of a, then it turned into a bit of a fire arms race. And that's when the Yankees were able to kind of run away with a little bit as well too. Now this gives yeah. them, this at least gives them a cannon in this firefight, as opposed to just some muskets going up against a bunch of cannons and ballistas.
2: Yeah, no, it's, it's huge. I mean, you look at this, you look at it at, at where the guardians play progressive field, um, you know you look at that stadium build you're not trying to hit it out of right hit it out of left field um, if you're being completely honest you want a left-handed hitter you want him to wrap get around the ball you want him to drag it down the line josh bell can do that very well he can also drive it opposite field which is huge because you have that giant wall out there what that means though is he's going to be bouncing the ball off walls getting easy doubles simple things like that much like you, you know you see guys do in boston for left-handers um, and that's kind of how progressive field is. It plays in a lot of ways. It does play like Fenway as far as the big left field wall. And then you have a very, it's not short, but it is shorter uh, in, in right field. And it allows those power hitters, those power hitting left left handers to get around the ball and, and drive something out. And if the, if the wind blows anyway in progressive field, the wind does tend to blow out towards right field as we've experienced from sitting in the stands out there um it does tend to blow out there instead of the bleachers. So it is very uh very I, I don't know. I I I love this move from a lot of standpoints. Mostly that power standpoint, but really I also think just defensively, I think he can come in either stay as a DH or be your number one uh you know, starting first baseman. Obviously, that's going to be a conversation because you have Naylor over there, but I you know, I I think one goes one, one goes where, there, the other goes DH. That should be that simple. That way you keep production in both. Also, you know, with Josh Naylor's leg injury history, you keep him healthy a lot longer. Um, you get to use both bats in the, in the lineup, so that's it's always a plus. Um, I know Terry Francona is about to have a whole lot of fun with that roster, though.
1: Absolutely. And hopefully uh, this means we won't see too many more rocking the babies as well, too. Maybe, maybe we, can, we can we can leave the baby rocking in the dugout and still carry him around the bases this time as well, too, so that definitely you know, a I, lot of I, I'm
2: still still not against that celebration. I got to say, still not against it. Uh it didn't bother me in the least mostly cuz he was directing it at his own dugout and not really at the Yankees. But the Yankees want to be butt hurt babies. So
1: well yeah that's like we all knew that that's the problem is we already know that and that means we have to hear about it that's my concern it's not that fact that it is the fact that we have to hear the aftermath of it as well too you're punishing us by having too much fun out there now but not in
2: the traditional that's a, sense oh i know yeah like oh no baseball players having fun how terrible is that oh we'll be damned
1: oh no and you know we can go on and on about this all day but well either way it's going to be a fun mlb winter meeting and off season as well too with A whole lot of zeros being thrown around in the oncoming weeks as well, too. That's going to make me really, really uncomfortable with my financial situation, looking at all of theirs as well, too. But that's neither here nor there. We're now going to go from the diamond. We're going to head on over to the gridiron now as well, too. As we mentioned earlier, the NFL season coming to a little bit of a close here as well, too. It feels like it's gone by pretty quickly while at the same time being a very long season. About a month left, a handful of games in the playoff picture. On the one hand, starting to take form. On the other hand, there's only three teams that have actually been eliminated. So everybody still has a dog in the race in some way, shape, or form. Only Houston, the the Bears, and, and Kelsey's favorite team, the Denver Broncos, have been eliminated so far as well, too. So a whole wide open field right now as well, too. And I'll quickly go over what we're looking at right now. So for the AFC, we got the Bills sitting in the first seed with the Chiefs in the second, Ravens in the third, Titans in the fourth with the Bengals in the fifth, the Dolphins in the sixth, and the Patriots holding that tiebreaker in the seventh, tied with the Jets and the Chargers at seven and six. And then in the NFC, we got the Eagles running away with first place and officially have clinched a spot. The Vikings holding on at number two, the 49ers at number three. Tampa Bay the leading the way in the, in the always glorious NFC South right now. And then of, then for the five-seed, we got the Cowboys, six-seed Commanders, seven-seed Giants as well, so... And just pulling up the rear for them as well too. Seattle is seven and six, just the outside looking in by a tiebreaker, and the Detroit Lions like about like, two games behind as well too. Now it's six and seven, so we're gonna go. We're gonna start with the NFC because I think yeah, there's a lot of fun and there for you as well too. My first thought when I look at this is the Vikings aren't really scaring anybody as the two seed. I don't think. I think everybody. What I think a lot of those wildcard teams are like. You know what? I'd rather play them than the Forty ers led by Brock Purdy. Who would have thought? And even though the Tampa Bay is terrible. I don't know if I want to play Tom Brady in the playoffs if I could play Kirk Cousins instead. I know Jay Jettis is still out there somewhere, and he always is. But I think that's what. And another look at it: look at that is the Cowboys are terrifying. And I know you don't want to hear that as yeah. the designated Cowboys fan who hates them <laughs> at the same time. But bringing in T.Y. Hilton as that third receiver as well, too, and that veteran just gets open and finds that open spots in the zone so CD Lamb could continue to CD Lamb. And as Michael McGallick gets healthy, and of course, what that defense can do. Not just Micah Parsons, too. Like that entire defense from Demarcus Lawrence to all the way down. Dan Quinn has basically earned a head coaching job as that D coordinator if he if he wants one. That's it. that team's. That's a scary team. It's and you have two running backs now. Well, two and a, one and a half, however you want to slice it. Like you have a running back by committee group. They've accepted finally. Just Dak just needs to not throw picks and they're good. And I mean like literally this year because he's throwing more picks at a higher rate than we're accustomed to. But I the Cowboys are scary as much as you hate that, and the Vikings. They might be the least scary number two seed. It's literally, all right, just don't let Justin Justin Jefferson completely torch us. Keep doing 100 yards and we're okay. That's my first impressions of the NFC, not going directly to the obvious.
2: Yeah, you know, I'm I'm just looking at the matchups, if the playoffs started today, right? You have the Vikings taking on the Giants. I'll be completely fair and say I think the Giants have a great opportunity right there to blow the doors off of the Vikings. Uh, I know it's home game for the Vikings, but probably going to be played at prime time. Kurt Cousins, night the night game. It time. gets real interesting. <laughs> um, and and look, the Giants have been making noise. That run game has been fantastic with Saquon, and and look, they finally figured out a passing game. Um, Wondell Robinson has been huge in that passing game. Uh, you mentioned Darius Slayton actually learning how to catch footballs uh, occasionally. That's huge as well. Um, so it, it's going to be very interesting with that Giants team, who they match up against. If they do match up with that Vikings team, that is going to be a very interesting first round matchup that we could see a seven seed upset right there and uh you know go play the go play the eagles in the next round because that's how that's gonna work out um then i look at that commanders 49ers matchup honestly the commanders don't scare me um i look at that commanders team as the team that's kind of going to be the team that probably falls out of this they're right now in it because of the tie i could see them falling out because the seahawks just win more games at the end of the day Mm. than than they do or even the lions come back or i mean Lo and behold, let's not forget about the Falcons, ladies and gentlemen. I I, I got to whisper their names because Mariota walked away from the team here. Um, but, you know, it, it is still a possibility they could make that playoff run there. They're only a game back. Um, have an absolute opportunity there. Um, but, yeah, then you look at the the third matchup there, the Cowboys versus the Bucks, And I hate it. this is the one matchup that the Cowboys in the first round probably hate the most.
1: They don't want that, don't want that one. That's the one they're like, yeah. like you mentioned. They're like, can we play anybody else? <laughs>
2: It's like literally the only matchup in this that they're like, it's just really, of course, it's a 10 and three season. Yeah. They're the most dangerous team probably out there right now. I'd say right now, other than the Eagles, probably the team on the hottest streak. Um, then you have the 49ers right there with them as well. So you have those three teams and it's like, if the Cowboys could go against any team other than the Bucks, I they have a great opportunity. But unfortunately that Bucks team is just Tom Brady knows how to rub it into Jerry Jones's team's. Um, and so it's, you know, it's, it's something to be said about it. Um, that one worries me as a Cowboys fan, uh, maybe, maybe not for any good reason, but Mm -hmm. just historically, uh, against Tom Brady, the Cowboys suck. So (laughs) it's, you know, that is in itself worrisome. Um, but yeah, like I, I think the Cowboys could be the most dangerous team, except for this, this, the way this exact playoff picture plays out. Like with the Cowboys being the number one wild card at number five, and at the five seed going up against the Bucks, That is the only way that they're not the most dangerous team out there. And that's what sucks about this with, with the Cowboys is like, this is the only time that I'm like, oh, man, like, yeah, really? but no, <laughs> like it's, it's, it's that disappointing. And, uh, but yeah, like, I don't know. I, I'm excited for for what the Cowboys can close out and do um obviously they're not supplanting the eagles at this point in time um you, you'd have to do a lot of work there eagles would have to lose out basically cowboys have to win out for them to take over um and even then the, the eagles are the only team in, but you mentioned all the teams that have been eliminated the eagles the only team that have confirmed a place in the playoffs by the way
1: exactly so they'll be that going no is, matter what as well yeah and uh, this is a, this
2: i mean this is a wild look look at the nfc honestly
1: Absolutely, and the Cowboys and the Eagles play on Christmas Day as well too. So we'll see what kind of a uh, what kind of implications that could have on it. And Jalen Hurts playing that as the clear front runner for the MVP right now as well too, and starting the fire on all cylinders. So that's going to be one heck of a matchup we're definitely looking forward to. Next, we're going to go ahead. We're going to circle back there, but before we get to the AFC, I want to ask you, what do you think about the Cowboys signing T. Y. Hilton beat here in December as well too? There was all the talk about them and Odell. It was Odell this, Odell that. Then out of left field, they bring in a veteran like T.Y. Hill. How, how do you feel about that as not only a Cowboys fan, but as an observer, as a football observer, as we head into that, this playoff run?
2: Um, well, let me go ahead and say that the only thing I'm disappointed about with this tra- with this signing is that T.Y. cannot wear number 13. And if anybody's out there wondering why he's a veteran and he should get the opportunity to get his number, it's because Michael Gallup, who is ahead of him on the depth chart, wears number 13. Now, does, does him and Gallup work out a contract, work out a deal? I don't know, but they have like two days to do it. So I, <laughs> I don't, I don't know if they get that, get that, get it done in time. Um, and it might be one of those things they just have to suck it up for right now. Look, I've been a T.Y. Hilton stand for a long time. Um, loved him, loved him coming out of college. Absolute burner coming out of college. I mean, he was a game changer in, at FIU, and then now here he is in the NFL. It's just been him and Andrew Luck what they were able to build together. Was insane. You talk about the Texans being the Texans Stadium being the house that Ty built. His his history there, playing in his history playing in the state of state of Texas is outstanding. Period. Um, not just we're not just talking about in NRG Stadium where the Houston Texans play. Like in general in in Texas, his college bowl game in the state of Texas had his best bowl game ever, um, best bowl game performance or best performances of his career. Uh, there and then, you know, when the, when the one time they played the Cowboys, when he was with the Colts, outstanding game, hundred plus yards. Um, so look, he uh, he he knows how to play in Texas for some reason. Um, kind of confusing as to why he's a Florida kid, but you know what? I'm not going to complain. Uh, I do think what he does well is exactly what the Cowboys are missing from a third receiver. I'd even say a second receiver. And it's telling that they had one game with James Washington. He got targeted three times. Uh, dropped one of them and that was the only one he actually got credited for dropping by the way um but yeah like it was it tells it's telling that James Washington was that 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 far like away from being used and they're like yeah we still need a third receiver so we're going to go go get the ghost off of uh off the free agent market here and you know you talk about Odell well that there goes Odell um and that's okay you know what if he wasn't planning on playing until the playoffs anyways so Go get Ty now. Let him learn the playbook for the next two weeks, and I might change my answer about that Bucks matchup.
1: <laughs> he gives them a, even in his advanced days. He is still probably the fastest receiver on that team as well, too. Even in his older stage as well, too. And he He knows how to him find the.
2: Him, him and CD have a have a really good foot race there. That's for sure
1: exactly as well too and you know he knows how to run routes still he's still got hands as well and mm-hmm. if you're gonna put a nickel corner and we saw even at the tail end of last year once he started to get healthy even Carson once is able to find him in some plays, including against the Buccaneers as well too in a matchup against the Buccaneers so I'm looking forward to that as well too I love watching T.Y. Hilton play so I think that's going to be a very fun to see how that situation plays out as well and just in time for that second Eagles matchup as well too should give him a game to get the rust off and then go into that big matchup so That'll be interesting to really test the nickel defense for them as opposed to the outside corners. Definitely looking Mm -hmm. forward to that one, but we'll go and get over to the AFC here really quickly. And the things that stand out to me, I want to point out as well, too, is A, the Ravens are still chugging along, even despite the Lamar injury and now the Tyler Huntley injury. We're going to have to see how this plays out because they're they're still holding on tight at the top of the AFC North, but get with the tiebreaker as well. I'm curious to see how much they could tread water until they can get healthier. That defense, since Roquan came in, has been outstanding. They're no longer giving up those random four-touchdown fourth quarters like they did early in the season. And I also wanted to look at, right now the Patriots had that tiebreaker for the seventh seed, but the Jets, the Chargers, both tied with them right there. The Jaguars not terribly far off. Like, that race for the seventh seed is going to be incredible down the stretch as well. I really look forward to that. And if I had to guess now, I'm going to say I think the Chargers will take it as far. For some weird reason, the most snake bitten team in the AFC is actually getting healthy at the right time for a change. Jerome James will start coming back soon. Joey Bosa will start coming back. Sean Slater's on pace to come back. So I look for the Chargers to potentially get over that hump here, and you get to end the season with the Broncos. That is a game you should win, and you should win comfortably. So if it's a win and you're in in the last week, unless they pull a the Colts versus Jaguars from a couple years ago, I like their chances of, of sneaking into that seven seed playoff spot, which... You're telling me we get a Patrick Mahomes versus Justin Herbert first-round playoff matchup, part three. Where where would you like my money and where would you like my soul, please? I will gladly send those over. And your Cincinnati Bengals, I think, are the the AFC's version of the Cowboys. They're pro- they might be a wild card team. They might take the AFC North because of the Ravens' injuries, but for all intents and purposes, they're a wild card team. Nobody wants to deal with that mess, especially with the T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd get healthy, Jamar Chase coming back and not missing a step, Joe Burrow playing like. Joe freaking Burrow, you could put him deep in that MVP conversation as well, too. So I think your two favorite teams, ironically, are the two teams nobody wants to deal with right now.
2: Yeah, I, you know, I'm glad you mentioned the entry the to Tyler Huntley. I was shocked, first of all, that he got knocked out as early, relatively early as he did in the, the game this weekend, and the Ravens still pulled out a win. Um, that one shocked me to a lot, considering that was my island pick on on fourth and four, Um especially seeing Tyler Huntley go down, I was like, oh, man, easily. Like, there should be no reason that the Steelers can't win the. Well, the Steelers proved me wrong. But it does show you how resilient this Ravens team can still be without a whichever healthy number one quarterback it is. Um, it does make me confident when, when Lamar does come back, though, that they can sustain. It's just can they tread water long enough to get there. And I don't think they can, um, given their end of the schedule, They still have to pay the Bengals one more time. And I do believe, if I'm not mistaken, that's in two weeks. And I don't think Lamar will be back by then. Um, And that Bengals team right now. Yeah, you talk about one of the hottest teams in the NFL. Just like we talk about the Cowboys, 49ers, Eagles. Bengals are right there with them (laughs) as far as just Bengals and Chiefs. Like, I don't want to play them right now because they are absolutely on fire. Um, The Chargers, as they get healthy, are getting there as well. But, yeah, the Bengals just look so good now that everybody's healthy again. Um, that obviously the Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase's combination is just insane. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm interested to see what's going to happen here. I, I, I do want to keep, I do want to keep an eye on this seven, mat, that seven seed though, because that Patriots chargers jets combination, along with the Jaguars who are just slowly sneaking their way in there. I don't think the Jaguars get a wild card, but I do think they have a chance at that, that, uh, that AFC South position, which gives them the four seed. You know, if they do, it's just, it's just so ironic that they could pull that off now that they have the tiebreaker over the Titans um, if they get there. So uh, very interesting to keep an eye on the AFC South there for that four seed alone because you talk about the Bengals. Probably would much rather go up against the Jaguars than the Titans if they could ask, please. <laughs> like, can I can I have my mm-hmm. choice? Um, mm-hmm. I'm going to go against the the, 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 the Jaguars there because, um, honestly, that Titans defense is tough. And Derrick Henry, look. It'll to terrifying. bring down, yeah, tough to bring down at any point in time. Um, I, I, you know, you look at the rest of this this playoff match, playoff bracket right now. The Dolphins eight and five. Do you really want to play the Dolphins at any point in time if you're any other team? Because I, I'm, mm, Mike McDaniel is that is a scheming dude, and I'm I'm worried about whatever he comes up with. As long as Tua looks okay and that defense and that like if they get their offensive line healthy by the playoffs, that seems scary. Getting Laramie Tunsell back when he comes back is going to be huge. Um, Taron Armstead, if he comes back, is he, if he's able to come back in time for the playoffs, that would be absolutely huge. Because um, those two right now missing are a big reason why we saw this little slide from the Dolphins, which I say little, but they're still 8-5. and five. You know, it's still an absolute possibility. So, uh, yeah, this AFC is going to be fun. Um, and obviously, we forgot to mention, you talk about guys coming out of, uh, or signing to, to a team um you have uh the resurgence of uh old cole beasley taking a shot again with the bills here Mm -hmm. coming out of retirement um so very interesting to keep an eye on that as well see how he does in providing that third alternative fourth alternative for the bills as well
1: very interesting that's when i look at the bills and the things they could use for this playoff run. a slot receiver was kind of the last thing i kind of envisioned as well too i'm looking more at corner or pass rusher but you know what they 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 know what they need as well too, and we'll definitely see if he gives them that extra shot they need to get to the Super Bowl as well too, or if it kind of piddles out a little bit as well. Before we leave the NFL though, I do want to take a look at the tankathon as well, too. As we talked about all the teams that are in the playoff run, we talked about the three teams that are officially out of it, but there are some teams here that I think are gonna be very interest interesting for the wrong reasons. Obviously, Houston right now is front center Captain Choo Choo leading the way to the number one overall pick, sitting at one eleven and one right now. Next up, though, the Seahawks are picking at number two, courtesy of the Denver Broncos at three and ten, having lost five in a row.
2: <laughs> Chicago, unfortunately,
1: <laughs> a promising a promising point in the season. They are sitting at three and ten, having lost six in a row. Though Detroit sitting at number four, but not in the way they normally do. It is courtesy of the Rams, who are, who are now sitting at four and nine. But do we see a bake show going on in L.A. Maybe as well too. Maybe that pick gets a little bit different. We'll have to see how that one plays out. And then, courtesy of the New Orleans Saints, the Philadelphia Eagles sitting at number five with, because of the Saints' four and nine record. Arizona now without Kyler Murray for the rest of this year and a good portion of next year with that torn ACL, sitting at pick number six now as well. Two at four and nine. The Indianapolis Colts at four eight and one sitting at pick number seven. Raiders, Carolina, Atlanta, Jacksonville, Houston, courtesy of Cleveland, Pittsburgh, and Green Bay, all make up eight through fourteen at a five and eight record as well. Too. So before we jump out of here. Before we jump out of the NFL, looking at that kind of mess in that number in that lottery picking scenario with only three teams guaranteed to be in the lottery and two of those don't even have their pick either, or sorry, one of them doesn't actually even have their pick either. What are your thoughts on the tankathon and how do you where do you see this one shaking out? Which obviously I think we agree Texans are probably getting that number one overall pick.
2: Yeah, I think the Texans Texans hold on to that number one overall pick. Um, I do think the Seahawks will take that number two overall. I do think the Broncos will continue sucking for long enough to give them the number two. Um, Especially when Russell
1: Wilson knocked out last game too, like literally knocked out. So it's, it's not, yeah. it's even worse.
2: Yeah. And I, and I look at, I, I look at the, the bears. And I think at three and 10, I don't see you running too much to try to win right now. Let's just put it that way. You had, you hmm. can, your long-term success could come from losing this season. Like you could set yourself up long-term successfully for losing the rest of the season. And that's okay.
1: <laughs> you um, can lose out and don't, get a Jalen Carter or a uh, Will yeah. Anderson.
2: I mean, yeah, you have a great opportunity there. Uh, you know, take your pick up one of these offensive linemen coming in the draft. Um, you know, really anything hey, at I that point in time. Anything. Yeah. Anything but a quarterback. If I'm the Bears. Yeah. Anything but a quarterback. Um the one that I don't think ends up down there is the Saints and who's picking or who is using the Saints pick. Um, I for, off the top of my head I can't remember who has the Saints Eagles. pick. Eagles. So yeah, I don't think that ends up a top five pick. I do think they can get a little bit higher. I I do think they usurp the Falcons right now. Um, looking at the the or, or the Falcons or Panthers, whichever one doesn't. Do better. Uh, I think that I think the Saints end up third in the third in the South. Let me put it that way. Um, and one of those two teams ends up below them. So I I don't know which one. Um, yeah, that division is impossible to pick. It's mm. who gets hurt again is going to determine it. Um, but I think the Saints pick. That's the point that I think is not going to be in there. Um, in that top five.
1: Definitely, it's definitely going to be interesting to look out for. You mentioned, too, the Seahawks, if it sounds like they like Geno, they might not be in that quarterback market either. The Bears, they sure as heck aren't as well, too. Looking at some of those other teams, too. The Eagles, courtesy of the Saints, if that happened. The Lions, will have to wait and see. Arizona's not going to be in the quarterback market as well. So, those some of those top five picks, there could be some of those teams looking to move up there as well, too. It's going to be, I expect, a lot of... When we start doing our mock draft NFL season, NFL draft season, we're going to have our work cut out for us trying to figure out some of these potential trades, because... You look at teams like the Colts, the Panthers, arguably the Raiders Packers. as well, too. Just some of those potentially quarterback-needy teams that are going to be looking to trade up as well, too. You, or you have to imagine will be looking to trade up as well. And by the way, Houston, courtesy of the Browns, right now will have two top picks in the top 12 as well. So everyone who seemed to trade their first-round picks this year, not going so well, it feels like, as well, too. It's def- It's been a rough one. The only team without a first-round pick that's doing well right now that I could think of is the Dolphins. But... They, didn't have, they don't have theirs due to things not trade-related as well. So definitely have to take a look at that going forward. But real quickly, before we get out of the main event, we're a little college fo- we talked about college football prospects. We'll talk a little bit about what happened in the world of college football as we get ready for some bowl games coming up. And since we last got to hang out with you all, we get the Heisman Trophy was presented as well. And to neither of our surprise, but much to our good job, you got it right, basically. Caleb Williams was awarded the Heisman Trophy, garnering a fair amount of first-place votes. Followed closely by Max Dugan, CJ Stroud, and then Stetson Bennett bringing up the rear. And I think we're both in agreement. Caleb Williams is the right choice pretty comfortably in this case.
2: Oh, 100%. Look, you just look at his stats. His stats tell you all that it is 66% completion rate, over 4,000 passing yards, 37 touchdowns in the air, only four interceptions. Uh, Just, I mean, that's outstanding. That is. (laughs) That's that. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't even gotten to the, to the rushing stats yet. Like the rushing stats, you add another 372 rushing yards, 10 touchdowns. Uh, absolutely outstanding all the way around. I mean, it's accounted for 47 total touchdowns this season. Um, so yeah, uh, let's just go ahead and say, Oh, and by the way, he had two punts for 42 or for, uh, 84 total (laughs) yards. Um, just to add in a casual forty you...
1: yards per punt
2: on top of it. Yeah. Uh no, but look, Caleb Williams well deserved. Um, by all means. Look, he, he showed it last year at Oklahoma. It's no surprise that this year, given the full offense, given a given all the weapons that they got in uh the or in the transfer portal. I almost said free agency, but in the transfer portal, <laughs> which is basically free agency, um, it's no surprise that he was able to do what he was able to do um this season. Lincoln Riley is a great coach for his skill set. Um, and that's, you know, that's huge as well. So, uh, you know, good, good for him. Good to see USC. No, I'm not going to say that out loud. That's, that does, I don't know if that's, that's, that's something I can actually say is is real, but it is something to see somebody from USC be back in the Heisman trophy race legitimately, not just as a gift, Sam Darnold. Hmm. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it, it, well, well well-deserved, well-deserved for Caleb Williams. Um, Somebody who I don't hate as much, unlike most USC players who have been nominated for. Absolutely.
1: And you know he's going to be in the running for it next year as well, too. What I do want to point out, though, where I have a gripe with it, is when we look at the voting, Max Dugan with the second most first-place votes, CJ Stroud at third with 37, Stetson Bennett number four at 36 first-place votes as well, too. That's where I'm a little bit like, really? Really? Like, then you have Hendon Hooker and Bryce Young not too far behind in those five and six spots. Blake Corum at seven, but... Really, 36 votes for Stetson Bennett to win the Heisman? Like, really? I, I, digress. Here's, I digress. Here's what's oh,
2: yeah. funny. And, and, well, hold on. I, you know, I actually, I wanted i wanted to, I do want to point, I, wanted to, I want to talk about this for a second because, I, okay, you look at the finalists, right? It is very interesting that the only player out of all of these guys that did not have that, like, uh, they still, uh, you know, a candidate moment would have been Stetson Bennett. But he never really had that moment of, oh, man, he's that Heisman dude. Like, And that's what shocks me when you look at this top four is that Stetson Bennett, the guy who didn't have that Heisman moment, but at the same time never had that losing the Heisman moment. It was just like, oh, well, acceptable. And if that doesn't just sum up Stetson Bennett's entire career at Georgia, I don't know what what, what will. Like, It's very entertaining that, he, that that's how that ends up for him.
1: Okay, that is that is fair. I still stand by. It. I don't know if he should have been number four there as well too. And the, seeing the first place votes over what C.J. Stroud, Max Dugan, and Caleb Williams did still still definitely surprised me as well. Especially when there's a Hendon Hooker and a Blake Horam just right on the outside, like, hey guys, I know I know we're injured, but I, uh, we only missed like on, six quarters or something like Allison. that. Like still, that there you go. Like you could throw a John Robinson on top of it as well too. It's a very long list. Michael Penix Jr. is not even that far out of it, and of course Drake May who probably. Probably will be in there next year. I think it's safe to say Drake May is going to be making some noise next year out of North Carolina. So the very fun Heisman Trophy race as well, too. But that will do it for our main event segment here. And now we're going to stay in college football as we head into crunch time brought to you by Outlier, making sports betting smarter, not harder. Go and click the link in our bio, high low outlier dot bet backslash high low sports. Get yourself signed up. It's free. Just requires an email address and a name betting odds, trends. Everything you need to know to bet smarter and win yourself some money, definitely go check them out as well, too. Always a pleasure to work with with that crew as well. You know what they've helped us out as well, too, with winning. a. We can't fully sports bet right now in Ohio, but as we dabble into some other states and give it a try, it's definitely helped out as well, too, across all major sports books. But we do want to spend Kelsey's favorite part of the segment. Remembering the pirate himself, Mike Leach, one of the innovators of passing offenses to to this day, the air raid architect, if you will. It's how I like to describe him as well some of the best interviews, you'll see some of the best sound bites for everything from comparing fans to Woodstock and everything in between. An absolute treasure. Hate to see him go, especially the, like that as well, too. A young 61 years old. Dev college football world's going to miss him. For me, I'm going to give one quick football moment that stands out for me. And that's when he was on the offensive staff at Texas Tech. They took They were ranked number seven, took on number one ranked Texas, led by Colt McCoy. Seven seconds left, Graham Harrell throws a back shoulder fade to Michael Crabtree, breaks the tackle, walks it in and a huge upset. One of many moments for Mike Leach that stands out for me, but just what he did and turned Texas Tech into an absolute air yardage factor. He was absolutely incredible. Correlated to Washington State as well as recently Mississippi State as well too. Absolute legend of the college football game will definitely be missed as well.
2: Yeah, I mean, look, you, you know, it's, it's funny you mentioned that that moment. I was actually on my senior trip in high school. Um, we were at disney world we had just gotten off the bus that day and i fell asleep during the game i woke up to watch michael crabtree make that catch and turn and run up the field and then i went back to sleep right after it was just one of those moments like oh wow that happened all right i'm going back to sleep like it was a long bus ride to get down there um but no for for me i look at i look at mike leach and his career and you know one of the few coaches that you can honestly say around the the sport of college football that most coaching members, most coaching staffs, except for maybe, you know, Texas's uh, back in the day when he was at Oklahoma, would would probably say they love love Mike Leach at some point in time. Like Mike, Le- every every single coach that I can think of has a story about Mike Leach, including Nick Saban. If you don't know, Nick Saban lost a recruit to to Mike Leach. Not just any recruit, by the way. Gene uh, Short wearing Uncle Rico himself, mm-hmm. Gardner Minshew. Um, and by the way, almost Michael is almost turned Gardner Minshew into a Heisman Trophy candidate and a first round pick. Um, so you know, not or well, potential first round pick. Yeah, he uh, but look, he was. Yeah, look, it was what he was able to do. His innovation, it's amazing. Um, sadly, though, do you know he is not actually going to be eligible without a. Um, Without a
1: uh, like the percentage or something like that.
2: Yeah, yeah, he's not going to be eligible for the NFF Coaches Hall of Fame. He currently has a five ninety six winning percentage, and you need a six hundred winning percentage. He first of all, let's just be clear about this: at Texas Tech, at Washington State, and at Mississippi State, he had a five ninety six win percentage in his career. That's insane. Do you know how hard it is for these teams to win 60% of their games? Like, they can't do it without Mike Leach. Like, Mike Leach, if you take Mike Leach's careers out of these teams' history books, these teams are under 500 collectively.
1: Like, you're Washington State, always Washington's shadow. Like, you don't just go there and win. Like, it's like you go there to pad your resume.
2: It's insane. It's insane to think that look, Mike Leach, what he was able to do. Uh, also, and you know, if you, there's a story that's been circulating about when I, the reason why I mentioned Texas's coaching staff, he created a false 14 play uh, script for the first 14 plays of the game in the Red River rivalry against Texas when he was at Oklahoma on Oklahoma staff, and uh, they dropped it, conveniently dropped it. For the Texas uh, to pick it up, ended up passing it to D.C. to the defensive coordinator, and they even said, "Like, yeah, I was too busy watching that." And next thing I know, I'm down 14 points because I'm calling all the wrong defenses. So Mike Leach is an innovator. He was a crazy man. He did crazy things. He did he had crazy uh, you know sayings, but we all loved him for it. We you know the pirate is a very loving and endearing term for Mike Leach. And um, look, we, we we wish all the best to his family because this is a sad one for the for the for the sport of football
1: absolutely will definitely be missed as well too. We do we're going to end on that note as well too. We appreciate you all joining uh, joining us for this episode of High Low Sports Podcast. We'll see you guys all again next week.
2: Join now and you'll see why 92% of households that start the year with Peloton are still active a year later. All access membership separate. Offer ends January 8th, 2023. Excludes Bike, Bike Plus, and Tread Basics. See additional terms at OnePeloton.com.